Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and the Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Uh, I'm really honored by your presence and I thank you for your time and listening to my podcast day after day. Um, it is so healing for me to have this conversation with you and I hope that you find in it information and knowledge that can heal you, that give, can give you um, um, information, uh, a boost, uh, empowerment and ideas to trigger conversation and that's what's important to trigger conversations uh, about topics and, and, and connecting topics, uh, bring to the table different points of view um, and absolutely um, you know find your own answers to this uh, concept. Um, remember we're all currents and waves um, and our duty is to understand these currents that form our waves, the Atwa, all that lies in between Hindutwa, Hind as in sin or the body of water that surrounds a land, and Atwa, the currents that form our waves. So the water that is forming wave after wave, that wave that's bringing to us a plus, minus, negative, positive, the, level, the layers and the layers of baggage. Um, and that is what we want to hear today, what we want to see. Atva, all that lies in between. So today we're going to talk about something that we've already spoken about, but in the context of this new Gazva Ihin, we want to bring about knowledge that, about the tools that are used uh, to practice this Gazva Ihin. Um, and one of the tools is the hijab. Uh, hijab is a massive link in massive uh, suit of armor in the toolkit uh, for 2047. And if you, you want to counter it, you have to counter it with knowledge, you have to counter it with dialogue, you have to counter it with uh, ability to have confidence and understand what's going on behind the scenes, the mentality, and so that you can dismantle it uh, with uh, points of view again and again and again and off and offload the garbage that's in 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 your head and in our minds and and fill that space that rent free space with knowledge instead of fill, filling it with uh, idiotic uh, rhetoric and especially uh, the uh, offload the Abrahamic occupation of our minds. Now remember at one point of time we were all occupied by Abrahamic religions and so this mentality, although we're Hindu, we have an Abrahamic um, uh, mentality and the Abrahamic occupation of our minds is what's causing this Hindu land to be un adharmic. Not dharmic but adharmic that means slaves, uh, um, and uh, and catering to the colonial hangover of the uh, colonial invaders. Um, also, we come to this land in, in different formats, different forms as refugees, as traders, as invaders, as uh, mostly as refugees, as economic laborers uh, from thousands and thousands of years. India, uh, Hindustan or Bharatvarsh was a land of refugees. We came from different lands uh, across the world. She was her shining light. And she uh, she she was 
a bright star and she welcomed everyone. So all of us have an ancestor somewhere behind five, ten thousand years that have come to this land, uh, benefit, benefit, benefited from this land and gone elsewhere and gone in our own way. And it is our duty to tell that story of how we came to the land, what we brought to the land, the mentalities, the layers and layers of labels that we came with. And a lot of that comes from the land around us. And a lot of the lands around us are Abrahamic. That means either uh, Jewish, Aramaic, um, uh, Aramaic, uh, Christian, um, Islamic. And so they, we all, somewhere up the line, our ancestors all uh, row veils. And this is important to understand how it came about. Now, in, um, in a desert, whether it's a cold desert or a hot desert, you have to wear something to cover your body. If it's a cold desert, you have to have warm clothing, but your body has to be covered because it's an extreme temperature. And even in the hot uh, deserts, in, uh, you have to cover your body because it's, it's extreme. So any type of extreme is okay. So it, is, it requires a covering. So the covering is really to protect you from the extreme temperatures of the body, but it's not to be institutionalized and idealized as some gift from God. So we're going to see what um, an article I read uh, in, in, on the internet about the hijab uh, on Quora.com. Uh, someone anonymous person wrote um, an article four years ago. Uh, and I'm going to read you the article about the hijab. Now you get plus and minus opinions both sides. This is the, the minus opinion. So when I'm talking, going to talk about this hijab right now. So I'll start. Uh, when I realized that my hijab was nothing but a burden, I became an ex-Muslim. I have been a hijabin ever since I was a child. My hijab was initially just a piece of dressing for me. As I grew older, it started meaning so much more. It signified that I was pious and that I'm not everyone for every man's consumption. And that's what came out of my mouth. Uh, and that what came out of my mouth matters more than what my body looked like. Uh, it signified that I'm closer to Allah and I'm righteous. Uh, apart from the rare catcalling imbeciles who equated me to terrorists, it got me all sort of compliments and respect. Muslim men claim that I look much better than other girls. Uh, people said I looked dignified and innocent, and even other girls respected me for it. I loved it because it was my identity. One day, I went to the mall with my mother. I had tried a new three-pin hijab style from YouTube, so it was flying in the air for my shoulder and uh, back, which made me very uncomfortable. It was very windy and rainy day, so I ran inside. But my hijab got caught in the entrance door and it came off my head. It was that tiny moment of light at life that feels stretched out till eternity. I felt exposed, naked, violated and helpless. Within, this, within that split second, I already had tears in my eyes. Uh, I felt like I had done something so wrong and unforgivable. Mind you, this was the first time without a hijab out of my bedroom. My mother calmly wrapped my scarf around me, said it was a mistake, and Allah won't hold it against me, but asked me to run me to run the rest to the restroom and wrap it up as the mall was full of men. As I started running, a man called out for us. He handed me my wallet and I dropped uh, that I had dropped and went his way. And that's when reality hit. No one apart from me and my mother, cared that I didn't have any hijab on. No one even, no one was even looking at me. 
according to them, I was still another average girl. I still put on my hijab that day, but kept thinking about it for months. That's when I realized it was my hijab. That's that that had sexualized me and all the girls and boys around me. Covering my body so intensely from all men meant that my body was inherently something to be sexualized. It meant that I was only to be seen, uh, I can only be seen a human being away from sexual consumption. If I hid my, if I hid behind a piece of cloth, that my body was for all but one purpose only. Even worse, it meant the worst things for those around me. It meant that men are incapable of appreciating my personality or intelligence without sexualizing me, my hair and calves. They lack control over their sexual urges so bad that I have to proactively take measures to avoid it. How does my piousness depend on what other people think of me? If, is Allah so judgmental that I won't be close to him if I don't hide my shoulders? Someone else gawks at them? How does my dressing signify that I'm not available to other men better than me, saying no to the man asking me out? Also the girls around me, I was righteous. Also the girls around me, I was righteous because they weren't. They, their lack of hijab meant they had displayed themselves for male consumption. Even if they had, how does it make them less respectful for me? So what is the true purpose of it? It's not like I'm a priest, priestess who has given up the worldly life, nor am I an old English woman who wants to avoid the wind spoiling my hair, nor am I uneducated woman because uh, being independent on men in a small village can't raise questions. I watched videos and videos and read papers and papers from Islamic scholars. I talked to my mother, other hijabis, and even non-Muslim women who liked hijab. When I couldn't find a reasonable logic that didn't seem stem from treating human bodies only as sexual tools uh, for consumption, I decided to take up my hijab. Aftermath, my father didn't talk to me for a year. My mother created a lot of drama. I was adamant that I won't go back to the old ways unless someone gives me the convincing argument for the same. I quit reading the Quran every day because I already know the text. I don't go to the mosque. Allah can see me 24-7 and if I'm a good human being, he will love me irrespective. I still fast during Ramadan uh, because that's family bonding tradition and I love my family. Uh, I tasted pork, but now I don't eat it because I don't like it. Not because that one animal is specially impure. Our family's back home thinks I'm, I'm a disgrace who has lost herself to Western immorality. Too bad they can't see that I've liberated myself from undue burdens. Hijabs and burqas aren't just social problems. They are impractical too. Now I can't even imagine suffocating myself like that ever again. They are also very dangerous to wear during mandatory gym class. It blocks all the vitamin D from the sunlight. Sure keeps a girl's skin fair and body pious, but it results in health problems for girls and their future children. Also, now when I see those kind of hijabis who put on bold makeup and flashy dresses, I feel like laughing. Either accept the full essence of it and dress in the most modest, non-flashy way so as to not attract attention or quit wearing it. You can't bargain over something like that with Allah. So it's obviously just, just for social construct. 
Also, it's also funny how come misguided claims, uh, how some misguided people claim hijabis are feminist. I have seen both sides of it. They don't know what such things can do to a girl's psychology. We should support those true feminists who are against it. I am now an atheist and I wish I had taken that decision sooner. So, my friends, this is an article written about four years ago. There are 120 million views and 9.1 uh, likes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, nine point, sorry, 9.1 thousand likes. Um, so, basically, I just wanted to give you a point of view of what uh, the mentality of the people behind the hijab is. Now, uh, I will explain it to you in a different fashion, okay? All three Abrahamic religions at one time put this on. And um, uh, until very recently, even Christianity had uh, imposed this on women. Uh, that was, you know, 70 to 80 years ago. My mother, uh, who had to go to church when she was in school, uh, she, was, she also wore a, a veil. She had to wear a veil or you could not go into church. Uh, and it was... Um, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was an imperative. Now, I will explain this to you in another way. I was watching a YouTube channel of an uh, uh, orthodox, um, orthodox Jewish person. Um, they also have to cover their hair. Either they can wear a wig or they can wear a hijab or um, a veil or cover, you know. Um, they have to cover their hair. They have to cover their body. So I was watching this YouTube channel. And the lady who was on this YouTube channel was uh, proclaiming how great and moral a Jewish religion is. It's about all uh, women. Uh, it's about females. It's about empowering the females and keeping their moral standards high. And, and, and uh, the world has lost its morality, she says. So the world has lost the morality. Women have no morals. Women, women, women have no class. Women have no spirituality. And look at us. We've gone from, from so much to nothing. We are all a classless society. Civilization has lost its moral compass. Yet she's sitting in, a, uh, in America. And she's sitting in a, a modern uh, upper uh, upper average middle class home, upper middle class, okay, not even the lower middle class or average middle class, but upper middle class home, okay, you could see she was pretty well off, the husband was working, but she was not, um, and basically, if she had come to America, that means her ancestors would have come to America either a little before the Holocaust or during the Holocaust as refugees, so all these people who, uh, all these people who, um, who she calls immoral, uh, the world is immoral, the world has lost its morality, women have got, their, uh, have, women have got no mor morality. Their sons and daughters, uh, fathers and brothers, went to war to save these Jewish women. Women who never wore the hijab went and gave their lives. 80 million people lost their lives to save 6 million Jews, okay? And from that, uh, the people who, who, who survived, there were, 
There were women who didn't have any husbands, women who didn't have any brothers, mothers who didn't have any brothers, mothers, uh, wives who lost their husbands. Trauma after trauma after trauma, the war never stopped. It continued in our homes. And that is a trauma you see on the outside. And that exasperation, that volcanic eruption of the suffocation of our minds to these feudal empires and the loss of life and the trauma that it caused us uh, to save six million Jews from Hitler um, was what uh, is what she's really calling uh, immoral. So we've given up our life. After that, when women and the men came home and it, society evolved, went back to work with this traumatic mind, build houses, build schools, build buildings, uh, invented uh, aircrafts, in, uh, engineering, internet, and these orthodox, um, orthodox and ultra-orthodox women who, have do, who do nothing, by and large, the bulk of them, not everyone, um, but sit in, in, in at home and make bread and make um, blah, blah, blah. Um, they sit and call people immoral. How do you think that, that works out? So you're sitting at home, you're making bread, and everyone else, you have the guts to call someone immoral. How? Without other people outside, the men and women who they, she calls immoral, she wouldn't be living in a house, she'd be living in a tent. She wouldn't have been able to move from Europe, her ancestors wouldn't have been able to move to Europe into America, okay? Because she either came by boat or she either came by, uh, she came by boat or she came by, um, uh, she came by air. Who built that? Who innovated that? Engineers, engineers, men, women, uh, People from all around the world contributed to engineering marvels while she sits at home and makes bread and looks after children and her hair and her morality and a Shabazz and everything. And that's the only thing she does. And uh, by and large, uh, she, she thinks that she has a moral high ground to call other people immoral and that we must, the most important thing in our life is to cover our hair and keep her spirituality while the others are breaking their bones, giving up their lives at the borders in order so that she's free and her descendants are free. You understand the mentality behind this? And she has brought again children into this world. The children are getting married at a young age because their only goal is to produce more children and be spiritual and increase the population and so that they all go to God and keep their morality and spread morality in the world. If this Abrahamic morality was so what is so important, you think that she would be still alive today? No, she would be dead because they've been fighting for 3,000 years. It's the people who've left these really these idiotic uh, and I apologize for that, this backward mentality and uh, and, and now evolved and, and innovated uh, and gone ahead with, with innovation into this world and produced the, the, the class, the level of social conduct, the life, uh, a better life, um, so that she could live her nice middle class life. But yet she's calling, she has the guts to call other people immoral, uh, less spiritual, they've lost their morality. So she's sitting on roads built by people 
who have no hair, no veils, no hijabs, no morality, she doesn't mind walking on those roads. She doesn't mind living in the home. She doesn't mind using all these gadgets in her house, which were built by people who were immoral. She doesn't mind the electricity, which she never invented, she never built. She doesn't mind the aircraft. She doesn't mind living in peace uh, and security where other people who she calls immoral puts their lives on the line so that she could be free. She doesn't mind watching, uh, going to the supermarket and buying food uh, in a nice uh, air-conditioned supermarket, which she wouldn't get in her tent and in her desert in, 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 in Israel or the Middle East. Uh, and this is the mentality of the people who live in echo chambers, brainwashed by their own ignorance and their 3,000-year cult. Uh, and I'm not talking of just Jewish, I'm talking of these orthodox, ultra-orthodox, uh, uh, you know, um, whether it's Islamic, whether it's um, Christian, whether it's Jewish, whether it's even Hindic, and um, you can go all across every single group. They live in their echo chambers and they brainwash themselves to say that they are the best perfect examples of society and all of society is, is, is going to hell, is immoral, but they're living on the benefits of a society that is evolved, that is supposedly immoral, um, and and they say, oh well, uh, we are going to heaven, and uh, Allah is going to help us, and Yahweh is going to help us, and Hashem is going to help us, and because we're going to be better, but everyone else is moral. So they play the divide and rule, and that is exactly the mentality behind this. So from the day you are born, you are brainwashed that if you don't do X, you will go to hell. If you don't do Y, you'll go to hell. Uh, you are sexualized into uh, you are sexualized into uh, a commodity, and you have to protect this sexual commodity because other people have no morals. To prevent yourself from the men of the world, to uh, because you are a sexual object. At the end of the day, so what this article was saying that I was sexualized into a hijab. That means I was put into this ghetto, this hijabi ghetto, mentally, emotionally, um, and um, in order for me to uh, to remain on this plantation, and, I, and the fear, 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 fear of me going to hell and being pious, being moral, was indoctrinated into this girl. And because it was indoctrinated, uh, she remained on that plantation without uh, without even challenging it because it's the only echo chamber she knew. And this is brainwashed into us from the time we are born. And this is every single group. Even me as an ex-Christian, we were brainwashed by this, oh, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. The priest would tell, the, the priest would tell the, our parents, you have to beat your children. So to break our spirit, break our conscience, and, and then remold the conscious only into uh, a ghetto that suits the uh, orthodoxy, where they can manipulate it for power, for votes, for money, and they can remain in charge and on top of this uh, slave plantation forever. And because today we're not doing that anymore, we have knowledge, we have the internet, we can cross-check, uh, we can question, we don't, these people don't have control of our minds anymore and we're leaving and they cannot understand it. So the more we leave, the more there's violence in our homes and these orthodoxy control our minds through their churches, through their mosques, through their internet uh, brainwashing, 
to the synagogues and they brainwash, brainwash. You must wear the hijab. You must cover yourself because by only by covering yourself, they will keep you on that ideological uh, plantation. So the hijab, the veil, is a tool to keep people who would otherwise be free to challenge, uh, to mentally be free, mentally be okay to listen to the echo chambers of get out of the echo chambers that uh to get out of the moat the the moat of fear that's surrounding them from the time they are born they are indoctrinated brainwashed uh beaten we are beaten until we consume ourselves in this fear in this negativity uh, our minds are sexualized to be fear of ourselves to be ashamed of ourselves we are told that we are sexual objects and people look at us in, in negative ways and because they know, look at us in negative ways we have to be on the plantation we have to cover ourselves and we have to pray for our moral uh, conscience to be clean because other people's minds are, 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 um, are bad and this is what we are told by our parents who are indoctrinated, indoctrinated by the orthodoxy and who's de who's Parents in return and, and generations and generations of the life have been indoctrinated by this orthodoxy of shame, shame, shame. And that's why this concept of shame exists in this world. And this adharmic concept of shame is now uh, a burden on Indian society uh, because we've been occupied by Abrahamic religions for so long, the concept of shame is now become part and parcel of our Vedic mindset. We have to remove this shame because we have to, if we do not remove the shame, we will remain in uh, ghettos, in echo chambers of our voice, and we will be brainwashed to believe, uh, to, to be slaves to, uh, to groups, whether it's ideological groups, whether it's uh, mental groups, physical groups, even if you leave, say today I'm Christian and I go and become Jewish or I go become Muslim tomorrow, it's not going to change whether you're brainwashed for one label or and I change to another label. I am still brainwashed and, and, the, and someone's controlling my mind. So the wave will keep repeating itself. The label will change, but the mentality is not. It's not the label that controls the mentality. It's the mentality that controls the labels. It's my currents that form the waves. We have to clean those currents, understand how far back we have been uh, using this concept of uh, veils and hijabs and, and ideologies to keep us in echo chambers. We have to stop being stagnant and then free ourselves from this lib from this uh, slave, this prison that our minds have put in, the fear psychosis. And we have to challenge the concept uh, right from birth, have these conversations, even if we were brainwashed, then so we, if we offload our mind, offload the negativity of our minds, fill it with knowledge so there's no rent-free space, the next generation at least will be better. So it's important not just for you, it's important for the next generation because your education today will decide what the generation to come will, uh, will have uh, as tools to live their lives and be able to clean up the the waves and the the, the land and and the ideology the mentality and the spirit uh, of our human psychic and of Indian subcontinent so it's very very important 
for you to understand the negativity, the fierce psychosis behind the hijab. And that's why people say, oh, well, uh, hijabis face a lot of negativity and name calling and Islamophobia because the negativity is on the inside. The negativity is not on the outside. If you're facing the negativity on the inside, outside, it's because there's negativity on the inside. It's your current that forms the waves. Everything starts at home. If there's violence in your home, there'll be violence on the streets. If there's negativity in your home, there'll be negativity in the streets. And every single one of these mullahs brainwash every single member from day in and day out to uh, to be um, to 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 have their children um, be uh, cloaked in burqas cloaked in, in, in hijabs and, and really um, uh, cover ourselves from the men so that they can control our mind. It's not to protect you really from, uh, from the men. In reality, it's about the control of your mind by these mullahs, tullahs, padres and pandits. This is what it is, to control your mind. And they need a tool to control your mind. And they need a tool so that you do not go outside the plantation. You do not listen to anyone else. You only listen to the echo chambers of your voice. And you will remain their slaves, ideological slaves forever. And so you have to challenge that from the outside um, and from the inside. Have that conversation with your friends, even if whichever group they are. Uh, understand the fear psychosis and then understand the divide and rule and in order for them to uh, divide you and keep you on in this echo chamber they have to they have to coerce you into calling yourself a minority they make you feel persecuted they make you feel negative they make you feel ashamed shame 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 and then they call you minority see we're minority see everyone hates us see i told you but the negativity is on the inside so you have to get off this concept of negative you have to understand it you have to stop using the labels of negative of us versus them minority versus majority it's just a perception of your mind it is not a real thing it's a perception that's indoctrinated into us from the time we are born to keep us separate and so we marry into the same negative echo chambers produce another generation of 10 15 children and multiply so fast that we can demographically change uh, the Indian subcontinent, and it will be retaken over by these groups in nineteen in twenty forty seven or whenever they want to take it off. And they are very adamant about doing it. They've been doing this for a very long time, and this is exactly what the Muslim Brotherhood has done. This is a uh, this is a toolkit by the Muslim Brotherhood. It started in the seventies with uh, it started in the twenties. Sorry, yes, in the twenty in twenty eight or twenty three with the uh, Hassan al Banna, it went into it uh, allied with Iran, the Iranian uh, uh, regime, and then once Iran got power in seventy nine, the 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 Khomeini's, the Ayatollahs, and then they allied with Saudi Arabia from the inside. Uh, they pretended that they were not friends with Iran, but in rea reality, they were playing both sides. They were playing one side, they were playing the Ayatollahs. The other side, they were used, they're playing the Saudis. They were using the money of the Saudis and to spread Islam, and the Islam they were spreading was this Salafi, um, 
Islamist um, echo chamber plantation where you remain on that and the only way to remain on that plantation was keep the women who were leaving uh, keep the women by putting on them a chain, uh, a physical ident uh, identity chain, so they always return back to their uh, plantation even if they leave. So the moment you give them an identity, they're chained to this identity and then they don't leave. So, at, so this is their toolkit, a hijab is a toolkit to make sure that the women definitely don't leave because if you have many of no women, then you're not going to have a next generation. So this is important for you to understand that it's a toolkit. It is not really about identity. It's not about morality. It's not about God. It's a toolkit where they are given a, a, um, a narrative of being persecuted, persecuted, and that we have to save Islam. Islam's in danger. We have to, we have to rebuild uh, Islam uh, like our prophet before us. And this is not the only group that does it. Other groups do it too. You have uh, the Jews do it. They consider everyone as, else as immoral. Christianity did it, and, and don't doesn't do it now. But they do it in different other formats. We are considered uh, we are considered uh, persecuted, and we are minorities. We are minorities, but they've always been minorities. They never had a problem with power. They are rich as hell. They are richer than all the Christians put together on the Indian subcontinent. How did they get their money if they were so persecuted? Because they've been the real people behind the power. Now the power is gone. No one's submitting to their lobbies. The lobbies cannot buy out the Indian government. So because they cannot control the Indian government from the back door and, they, and their, their synthetic scam that they call uh, secularism is now in, in reality up to the surface and has been called out. Uh, so all of a sudden they feel persecuted. And so they need this identity and the hijab becomes their identity. So it's very important that you understand this. Please have this conversation with people. Ask them to have the conversation with other people, whoever the group. It's not important, the group. It's the mentality behind the label. It's not the label that is important because we're all currents and waves. It's our currents that form the waves. This has been going on for a very, 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 very long time. Hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. So um, I hope I've given you something to talk about. I know we've spoken about this before, but I just wanted you to hear another point of view. And this one comes from the Quora website, uh, and it's about the hijab. Uh, so thank you very much uh, for your time. Um, I wish you a pleasant day, a pleasant evening. Um, I wish you a lot of peace, and uh, cheers, my friends.